Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to have on the call today, Amy Porterfield, who is the creator of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast and the creator of numerous courses on digital marketing, list growth, and online business development. Today's conversation is focused around her transition from somebody who was full-time social media consultant and essentially service provider to a full-time online digital product and digital course business, somebody who does info products for a living, which if you're not familiar, of course, there's a very big difference. Digital products, info products, it's a completely different business model. And I know there's a lot of people in this audience who are interested in going that route, but who are in that space right now where they're freelancing or they're consulting, or maybe they have a full-time job. And so the idea of cutting off one source of revenue to go full-time into digital products is a little scary. So Amy gives us some really great insights today, including some of the things she would have doubled down on if she were to go back in time and redo it, as well as some of the things she would have totally cut from her process and that transition to doing digital products full-time. I also asked her some questions about what she's focused on in the future, what's coming up, what does she see as the key things that she's going to have to do to grow her business and how she's implementing them. So we get some great insights into both how she got to where she is and what she's doing now to grow her multi-million dollar empire into a multi-multi-million dollar digital product empire. So definitely take out a pen and paper and take some notes on this one. Let's get to it. So Amy, the way I like to kick this off is by learning a little bit about how you actually got started down this path to what you're doing today, especially in the online space. It's a challenging path I know for a lot. You've done a remarkable job of becoming one of the more prolific names and writers and content creators out there in the world of marketing and online business. So how'd you even get into this? How'd you start down this path? Well, I have to say that I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. It's not that I thought that this wasn't the road to take. It's just that it never even entered my mind. So I started my marketing career with Harley Davidson motorcycles. I often tease that I am not a biker chick by any means. However, I loved that company and I love the nostalgia that they built within their community. And that's really where I learned how to do marketing. After that, I went and worked with peak performance coach, Tony Robbins. So I worked with Tony's organization for six and a half years, got to travel the world with Tony and his team and worked on the content that he did on stage stage or in his digital products. And while I was at Tony Robbins, he ventured out into the online marketing world more so than he had before. And so he had this one meeting where he brought in a bunch of online marketers in our community and beyond. So in San Diego and beyond, 
And I was brought in to take notes. I mean, how humbling can that be? I wasn't even invited to the main table. I was at a side table and I was there to take notes. And Tony went around and said, tell me about your online business. And it was a group of all men. And each of them talked about their business and about the products they created and the content they created, but they all touched on their lifestyle, the freedom they had, the ability to call the shots, the fact that they were their own boss. And my ears perked up in that moment. And I thought, I don't know who these guys are or what they're doing, but I've got to have a piece of that. So for about the next year, I stayed at Tony Robbins. I asked to move into the marketing department. I got to work on the online launches that we were creating with the help of these big gurus that came to that meeting. And then from there, I finally got the courage to take that leap and start my own online marketing business. It looked a lot different than it does now, but I started to do social media consulting for small businesses. Now I create online training programs for entrepreneurs growing their business around list building, creating their own digital courses and marketing them with webinars. But in the early days, my business looked very different. Can you tell me a little bit about that transition actually between the two? You know, because yeah. I know a lot of people probably look at you and they see, you know, the version, you know, 3.0 mm-hmm. or 4.0, right, that, that you are now, but, but forget kind of maybe where you started or anybody for that matter. And I know you, with what you said about doing the social media, that transition from that to actually doing more course creation, more education. I mean, I know you were always education focused, but with more course creation, content focused products. Tell me a little bit about that transition, why you made that transition and kind of the, the ups or downs that you went through doing that. Yeah, great question because I think more people need to hear that it when you start out, likely what you're creating right now is going to look dramatically different than it will in a few years, which should give you a little wiggle room and grace to make those mistakes and know that it's not all set in stone. I didn't know that at the time, but I wish I did. So when I first started out with social media consulting, I wanted to create online training programs. You know, being in the Tony Robbins world, I got to work on the content in his digital products. So that was something that I really wanted to do on my own, but I didn't know how to do it as an entrepreneur. I was so green in the space that I gravitated toward what I knew and I needed to make money. I didn't quit Robbins with a big bank of money that I could just kind of float around a little figuring it out. I had to make money. And so I did what I knew best and I knew social media well. And so that's what I would do. And I did it for other people because I didn't have anything that I knew I could create yet. So here's what happened. For about two years, I did social media for other people and I hated it. I didn't like being a service-based business. I didn't like working with people one-on-one doing their social media. It's a very personal thing. It's hard to get behind the scenes of a company and, and be their voice in that way. And it just wasn't right for me, but I did it well. And I did it for a while because it paid the bills. And finally I said, I have created a business I do not like at all. Like I had left a big cushy job at Tony Robbins, started my own business and hated what I created. And I was working more hours those first two years than I was back in my corporate job, which I thought I was working my life away at that time. And so what happened was I felt the pain enough. I was actually not happy with what I had created that I told myself no more. And something I learned at Robbins, I had to burn the boats and not look back. I just had to go for it. So what I decided to do is I decided I'm going to fire all of my clients. I mean, not really, but that's kind of how it felt. I let go of all of my clients and I started working on my online training programs. I will say that that's the year I went into debt. 
which that's a scary thing for me and most people. But I had to go after what I knew. I had had enough footing that I knew how to navigate the online world now. I just wasn't making money yet doing what I love. So that's what I had to do. I just had to say, I'm going to storm the island. I'm going to burn the boats, not look back. I'm creating online training programs. I'm not taking another client. And to this day, I haven't taken another client. I don't have any consulting or coaching clients. I just make money selling my online training programs. But it was very scary. Exactly. It does sound scary. I think it probably is intimidating to a lot of people or people who haven't maybe tried it out yet. Maybe they don't know what they're in for yet because having worked on a lot of these kind of projects with a lot of different people who've made that transition or work on the digital product route, there's nothing easy about that either. You know, it's a unique business model. It's challenging. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of scale to it, but it is absolutely challenging. So when you made that decision, I'm just curious, like I, I, I love it. What occurred after that? You made the decision, you kind of planted your flag or or burned the ship. I love that term. And then you went forward with it. What were like the things that you actively did to make that shift? Let me give you some context for this question. What I'm getting at is that I wonder if a lot of people would half step that process and and not quite fully move forward because it's like, well, I can't quite give up all this income I'm earning as a service provider. So like, what were your actual steps that you did to get to that point where you're at now? I am so glad you asked this question because there was some overlap. So probably about a year and a half into consulting, I knew I didn't love it. So I started to work on my first online training program while still taking clients and bringing in money. So what that meant was I outlined my online course. I put together all my slide decks to teach. I was teaching social media, but inside of an online course, I recorded all of my videos and I started blogging more regularly and I started to work on a podcast that wasn't live yet, but it was something in the back of my mind because I knew the importance of creating consistent, original weekly content. That's how I was going to get my name out there. That's how I was going to be known more and make a bigger impact. So I started to create content more consistently before it might've been a blog post here, a blog post there, maybe once a month. Now it started to become every single week. I started to focus on growing my email list while I was still taking clients. I knew I had to grow my email list. It started out really slow for a while till I figured it out, but that was another thing I started to focus on. And then at nights or in the mornings, I would work on this course. Now, when I finally did discontinue all of my clients and launched my first course, it was a huge failure. I actually launched to crickets. I thought that I had, I had like 600 people on my email list. I thought I was doing good. I wasn't. And no one really wanted to buy my product. But at that point I thought, oh no, like I have to make this work. So I partnered with somebody, we came up with another product that did well. And then my next one did even better. So it was just like, stacking on the experiences till it finally worked. But that's when I went into debt because my launch was a huge failure in the beginning. And I probably should have kept the clients a little bit longer, but looking back, it just kind of all worked out eventually. And not saying it was easy though. As you look back, is there anything that you say, like, I would double down on like this thing. And then I would, if, if you Good had to question. choose one thing you would double yeah. down on, like, what would that be? And if there's one thing you had to totally just cut, what would that be? I would have started list building the day I left Tony Robbins. I wish it was always a priority. It wasn't a priority for a good one and a half to two years in my business. 
having a list, I always say the energy of your business is directly tied to the strength of your email list and having an online business. You kind of don't have a business online if you don't have an email list these days. So I wish I would have doubled down on building my email list more so than going to conferences, more so than speaking on stage. I wish I just stayed home because I traveled a lot those first two years thinking I had to be everywhere to be seen and heard. I wish I focused on my email list more. And then what I wouldn't have done, you know, I was so fearful of money and so fearful that I wasn't going to have enough. My money actually contributed to feeding our family and paying our mortgage. So I was so fearful that I think I made decisions out of fear instead of just, you know, I have a really strong faith instead of just believing it will work out. If I keep my head down and stay focused, I would have made more strategic decisions, not based on fear. Mm, I like that. Easier said than done, but I really do believe it. No, I, I mean, I agree. And I, it's funny. I mean, there are a couple of things that resonate with me is the idea that like now more than ever, I think an email list is essential. Yeah. It's really tough to do without it. I was talking to a couple of people who have most of their platform on things like Facebook and there's nothing wrong with that per se, but except that if that's where all your lead gen is coming from and then they throw something out there, like, you know, you have to pay to play, like to get any, any yes. uh, viewership of your, your Facebook page. You're like, man, that, that stinks. Like you're, you're, exactly. you're, out, you're left hanging and there's nothing you can do about it. So I, I completely agree with where you're at now. So you, you've had some hard fought and hard won success, which is awesome. And you've grown it substantially. Be honest with me. What does it really take to get to the level of say digital product business that you're at right now? Like, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis for you or your team? So for me, this isn't for everybody. And I have some peers that have done it in a way a little bit more graceful, but I was raised in a blue collar family. My dad's a firefighter and he raised me that if you're not working hard, you haven't earned it. And so this is something I did a podcast about with my friend talking about like, when you look at money, I always think I have to work really, really, really hard to earn it. And then I deserve it. That's something I've been working on now because I worked really hard to create this multi-million dollar business. I'm talking 50, 60 hours a week, very consistently, not all the time, but if I look back since 2009, there were very long, long days, weekend work, night work, time away from my family. I don't think that's how you have to do it, but I can't lie and say I did it any other way. Now, looking back, I teach my students that you don't have to work every night and every weekend. What you do need to do is be really strategic, have processes in place, and not be afraid to have a small but mighty team, meaning you've got to hire people. I wish I hired people sooner than I did because I thought I needed to do it all myself. Looking back, I wore a badge of honor that hard work got me here. I've earned it, and I'm doing it all myself. There's no badge of honor in either one of those things, I don't think. I think I could have worked smarter, but less. And I think I also could have built my team a little faster. Now, I say all that, and I'm very proud of what I've created, but it took time away from my family. And it took, like, I had reached burnout probably by 2012. So three years in, I was done. I had to change a lot of how I worked in order to keep going. And I did. So this is stuff you kind of learn along the way. But yeah, it took a small team. It took a lot of hours and I had to be willing to invest. We've invested a lot of money in Facebook advertising in order to fill up my webinars and to fill up my email list. What would you say was maybe the 
most essential hire you made in the early days when you you kind of came to that realization that, hey, I'm doing this all by myself and I can't go anywhere from here or get to the level I want without hiring? What were what would you say were some of the essential hires early on? Ooh, great question. I think just hiring my first virtual assistant for five hours a week was a huge step for me. She was my mm. first hire. I told her, I have no idea what you're going to do. And I don't think I can afford more than five hours a week, which is a limiting belief. But at the time it just felt very scary. So I don't know. We, I think I paid her 20 bucks an hour, five hours a week. And soon enough, because she was good, she found the areas of my business that she could help me with. And I started to see her potential and things that could really release me. So I'm not always having my hands in everything. So a virtual assistant right away, she took care of the customer service, oversaw my blog posts, meaning making sure they were all on the site and edited and look good. I still always have created my own content, but she took care of the back end. So that was huge. And then from there, my smartest hire I've ever made, and this was about two and a half years ago, was a project manager. That was huge for me. I did a whole podcast episode about hiring a project manager because I didn't realize how much it meant that I could step away. I'll tell you a really quick story. We did a live event two weekends ago. And after the live event was over, it's just a one day, it went really, really, really well. I sat down and I started asking questions like, how did we choose the volunteers for this event? Or how did this work? And my project manager said, I love that you don't know how we did this because that meant you finally have let go and kind of let us run with it and you trust this team. And that was a really good feeling. What are your goals for, say, the next one to two years out? Or if you think further out, that's fine too. We'll say one one year out, what are your goals or ambitions? And what do you see as kind of the path forward? Like, what are the actions that you're kind of planning on taking to reach that, whether that's scaling or growth or it's like, or something else? I don't want to be presumptuous there. So I guess it's a two-part question. So with us, one of the things that I want to do is create more online training programs, but not burn out myself or my team in doing so. Like I mentioned, I've always from the get-go created 100% of my content, whether it be for an online training course, a podcast, social media, whatever it might be, I create the content and I've become a chokehold. We can't get it out fast enough. And so I only have, not only, I should be very happy with this, but I have three online training programs, but there's so many other topics I want to teach about. So this is specifically what we're doing. Number one, we're hiring a content coordinator, someone to be my sidekick in creating content. I'll always have a pulse on it. I'll always come up with the ideas, but I don't necessarily have to do it alone. So that's number one hire we're making literally right now. Number two, we're actually hiring locally. That's something that I've changed. I've always had a virtual team up until I hired my project manager. I live in Carlsbad, right outside of San Diego. It's been amazing being able to be together in the same room, working on big strategies and ideas. So I'm going to do that with my content coordinator. So we're hiring locally. The third thing is we're creating live workshops instead of pre-recording all of my courses, which I've done since 2009, we're actually going to sell the course and then deliver it live, let's say over a period of six weeks. So if there's six modules, I'll do one module live training every week for the next six weeks. That way I can get it out faster and then I can pre-record it after I've maybe tweaked some things, got some feedback, worked on it. So that live workshop aspect is something I'm really excited about pre-selling before I pre-record. I love it. Do you think that those are kind of the essential ways people need to kind of move forward to do to produce like the results in this space. And I asked that again, 
some of the things that are in the back of my mind is how competitive the landscape is getting. So you have a nice leg up on the competition in that regard. And I'm not even saying like competition, like competition, but just leg up in terms of having the positioning that you you've worked for having the brand, but in terms of like creating content this way, like slightly different than you've done it before or rolling things out like this new way, like, do you think these are essentially kind of prerequisites for succeeding in a space that's getting more and more, I guess, uh, we'll say saturated. Yeah. I was going to say it's congested, saturated. Yes. So I don't think it's the only way, but I do think it's a smart strategy. I tell all my students who are coming out with their first online training program to do a live workshop because the feedback you get, it's almost like you can tweak things in the moment as people are giving you feedback every single week. It allows you a little bit more flexibility. And I think what's working really well right now, especially in a saturated market, is if you are showing up live, whether it means live video, live in a Facebook group to answer questions live on your workshops, they get a chance to connect with you in real time. That is something that is rare. That's something that most people don't want to do for their businesses. So I do it more so than the average person so that I can actually make an impact in my market different than everybody else. So that is one of the reasons why every single week I show up live in all of my three groups to answer questions. They see me on video. They know I'm there. So I think giving back in that way is more important now than it ever was. I actually think doing business three, four years ago was easier in this market. Now it demands a little bit more of you, but that's okay. I completely 100% agree. I'm okay. seeing the transition happening and 100% agree. So it just, it's, it's good validation, you know, in that regard. So, yeah. so I, you know, I just want to be respectful of your time, Amy, you've given us some amazing insights here on what you've done, what you're planning to do. I think this is fantastic. Where can people reach out to find more about you, maybe take part in this journey or, or get in touch with you or your team or some of the courses and products that you guys create? Well, thanks so much for asking. I have a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher. And amyporterfield.com is my website. I love it. I'll make sure those are in the show notes. Amy, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me. I was thrilled to be here. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance. <laughs>